Hi, everybody. This is Elena Mazaner, and this is Mind Over Matter podcast. And uh, today I have a special guest, and her name is Lori Riedman. Lori Riedman is a personal growth expert. She's a coach. Um, she also um, is a leader and uh, um, workshop workshop leader, which is called Couples Workshops, right? Mm-hmm. So, yep. Lori, welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. You're welcome. So we're going to talk about a few things. And I know that some people are, you know, starting this video, they're watching us. And I just want to let you know, guys, that this is going to be a very interesting podcast. Uh, It's going to be very special. Um, Women are special, I think, for women, for men as well. But we're going to talk about things like, um, you know, relationships. We're going to talk about masculine and feminine. We're going to talk about empowerment and um, a little bit about um, being a mother and just really an an empowered woman. And Lori is the one she is, in my opinion, and I'm I'm sure about that. She's, She's really an expert. She has many, many, many years being involved with a special organization called Woman Within. She's she's led the workshop, which I and my husband have participated in. So she she has a lot to say, and I'm very lucky that we have become friends. So once again, Lori, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's a tall order you've just set aside for us, but our <laughs> conversations always go many directions, so I'm ready. <laughs> Excellent. So uh, let's talk about... Couples workshops. So mm-hmm. back in 2017, after my husband and I uh, just got married, probably about three or four months later, we came to a couples workshops because uh, my husband is into personal growth. He's been uh, involved with Mankind Project. I also did a workshop with Women Within. And this seemed like a, a really you know smart progression for us to do a workshop uh, mm-hmm. like that. And I know you also have been involved with these organizations. So we, you know, we had our things, you know, discrepancies, and he just said, this is a workshop. And I looked into it and, and we came, it was March in 2017. We absolutely loved it. It was a life changer. It was such a great, great foundation for our marriage and our relationship, because we have learned so much and we're still incorporating some rituals from the workshop. So how would you describe the workshop to people that hearing it for the first time? There's lots of options for everyone to work on their relationship. And this workshop was really born from, as you said, the Mankind and um, Women Within organizations. It was actually developed by the two founders of those two organizations, which are husband and wife, Rich and Chartosi. And Rich and I were fortunate enough to have done the weekend ourselves, saw the transformation like you just described that it helped in our marriage and our partnership and became um, eventually one of the few leaders that have been um, trained and blessed to lead the weekend. And we are so grateful for that. Um, The weekend is um, kind of like relationship on steroids training. And maybe you could agree or not, but I think that um, we do, it's experiential. So there's many elements. I'm sorry to interrupt you just, to ask you, why is it relationship on steroids? Why would you? I, I think what it does is it really allows you to take a microscopic look through the lens of your relationship at who you are and who you are in your relationship, how you're showing up. Because the concept, and for me, the takeaway, the real true nugget of the weekend is that we look at the, our relationships as a container and we come into this container with all of the stuff that have come into our lives and our partner brings all of their stuff into this container. And the relationship is the body through which we can sort through that. And and so we teach tools in the weekend, including how to create a safe space to be vulnerable, to allow your partner to be vulnerable, um, how to do that work of sifting through the stuff in that container and really transporting them, not transporting, but I guess maybe, I mean, um, transforming it into something that's beneficial. And oftentimes we find that the one person that you are in relationship with, that I believe you bring into your life, you bring into your life because there's something that person 
needs to heal for themselves that you play a role in. And so by you, playing a role in that, you're going to heal something in yourself. So you're bringing in the person because you need to heal something in yourself and, and you, you, you're going to help heal that person something within themselves. And it's a huge, huge challenge because this is why I think this is why couples go apart. When these things come up, it becomes so hard to handle it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I found it through our relationship that as we work through it with the tools, certain emotional literacy, with certain tools, it actually brings us closer, much closer, you know? Because I think, again, we can find our true authenticity and we can provide the opportunity for a partner to find theirs. And what greater way to do that than with the one person that we love most um, and that can love us. And in order for us to grow, we need to be vulnerable. In order to be vulnerable, we need to feel safe. And those are all elements of things that we touch upon in the couples weekend and that I work with couples in my relationship coaching is to provide the ways through which you can invite that into your relationship. Because let's face it, being in relationship is hard. Especially, hard. Yeah. especially now. I mean, life is hard. You know, we're just coming out of a pandemic. Um, depending on whatever stage you are in your life, you know, um, career can get in the way. Parenting is a challenge. Co-parenting is even more of a challenge. Um, and then you grow and change. You're, you're changing yourself, you know, who you are. You become different after time, time, time goes by, right? Yeah. And you probably remember that one of the things we, we do talk about and kind of um, the, the weekend is a, a combination of experiential exercises, little lecturettes, we call them, where we kind mm-hmm. of introduce topics and introduce concepts and some based on research. And, and, um, and then we give people opportunities to learn new tools as well. So we teach a lot of communication and listening tools and give people, as you remember, a lot of opportunity to do that. Um, and we also do this in a setting that I think one of the things that makes it different this weekend different is we use ritual a lot yeah. um, as, as setting the safe container. And we encourage people. I, I believe that it's really important in your relationship to find those rituals and, and nourish them. Exactly. And it could be as simple as maybe your partner gets up earlier than you and they make your coffee or your tea for you every morning. Or you know, there's just little things that can be rich, they're ritualized. And people may think they're nothing, but they really are ways that we can maintain that connection throughout the busyness of life. Oh, yeah, I agree 100%. Because, you know, now we have two, two kids, I have two and a half year old and um, a nine month old, we've noticed how for the first time, we when Adelina was born, the oldest one, we did all of the rituals that we've learned. Once the second was born, we realized that we've forgotten about that one candle uh, ritual. We're like, we, just, we totally forgot. So we just started doing it again. We're like, we must get back on it. And we just, we, we, it, it takes literally 20 seconds, maybe a one minute. But even for that, because you're so busy, you're so stressed out, you're just running around, you just forget. So we just got back to it. So I wanted to talk about I'm how- curious, hmm? curious, yeah. Elena. So- yeah you forgot about it and now you're introducing it. Do you notice a difference? Yes, I do. I do. And actually I do notice the difference. It's um, there's more warmth. We'll look at each other and um, you know, we will hug more, obviously it's just the energy. I know it's hard to explain. It's, it's the, the certain energy has been invited back. You know, it, it's, it's like you said, it takes seconds, minutes. And this is, and it's so interesting. It literally takes seconds, a minute, and people forget about that and they find it, it's not that important, but it is important. Mm-hmm. And even other things like, you're right, coffee, like my husband makes coffee for me in the morning and then he, he makes breakfast for the kids. Like he has certain things that they're set up, he's doing them. I come into the kitchen and I, you know, say good morning and I kiss him and I hug him. Like this is something that we do just consist consistently. I wanted to point out how, you know, some, some people have never participated in workshops, like, like, like uh, couples workshops, the one you're leading with your husband, Rich, or like Woman Within. There are certain lectures, right? Le- lectures and workshops you can take, but 
your workshop, which was born from the woman within and mankind, this is the kind of workshop that is actually fun to do. It's not just sitting in your chair and listening to someone or, you know, maybe practicing here and there, um, which is also good. But this is actually theatrical because this is it's like you are in a different reality, different uh, plane of existence, in a sense, like you, you're in a virtual reality of some kind. There are some really fun exercises like a few of them come to mind. I remember one that is so like unique and and um well actually let me talk about that one later because it's so important but the knees to knees that's a really good exercise knees to knees it's a, such an important exercise can you tell us a little more about that one yeah it's it's a it's an opportunity to really feel heard and to be heard and to also hear so you you sit knees to knees is this why it's called knees to knees because it knees to knees and um it's basically an opportunity to discuss something that may be really important to you, or it could be, you know, we've done this where it starts off with a mundane thing just to practice it. And very quickly, because of the way the exercise is designed, you can get very deep. Yeah. Because, um, and, it, and there's lots of active listening exercises out there that you mm -hmm. can learn, which this is very similar to it. But I think there's something about um, creating the intention of truly being there for your partner and letting them explore and share and go deeper in their own thought process um, and just holding space for that and allowing them to, you know, um, one of the things we talk about on the weekend is the razor's edge, which actually is from John Wellwood's work, um, who's a wonderful writer about relationship, but he talks about being on the razor's edge and that that's where growth is. And of course, a razor's edge is uncomfortable, mm -hmm. be a bit painful, and you don't usually want to stay there very long. I think the knees to knees process, one of the magic is that it allows us to find and navigate our way to our own razor's edge and to share that with our partner, because it's when we're on that edge that we are ready to, to for some self-discovery, for something that's going to help us push through perhaps a challenge that we're having that's showing up either just in our lives or that we want to share with our partner or in our relationship. I think the idea there is that sometimes in, in relationships, we're trying to say something and we feel like the partner isn't understanding or hearing us, or, you know, maybe even the experience, experience can be such that he or she is dismissing us and what we're saying. So I think that exercise is allowing you to speak your truth, what you're feeling and your partner sitting knees to knees is repeating exactly what you're saying without adding anything, without inventing anything, but literally repeating, right? It's like, yes, yes. And right. Something like that. Like I'm thinking, not thinking I, and it's important to not for me, as I speak, not to speak about their experience. In other words, not, not judging, like you are angry at me. That's not how you start. Right. You, you speak more about, I, I feel, so it's from the I statement, right? I feel like if I think he is angry, so I feel, what do, how do I feel as a result? I feel unheard. I, I feel unheard when you pick up, when you pick up this, I don't know. Your phone. Your phone. Yeah, I feel upset when, you, when I see you picking up the phone and talking to your colleague. Right. Right. So in a normal conversation, the person's going to get defensive and say, well, I needed to answer that text. I was right. still listening to you, but the Nisanese process allows for space. So there's right. no defending yourself. Right. There's, you, know, you simply are there to listen. So the, means other the other person is saying what? Like if I say, I feel upset when I see you pick up the phone and speak to your colleague first thing in the morning. So the other person would be saying, what I hear you say is that you get upset when I pick up the phone and speak to my colleague first thing in the morning, is that right? Yes, and such a relief. Is there more? And then see, you see guys, Lori said, is there more? And then like, whoa, yeah, there's more. And it's then- an invitation. Mm -hmm. It's an yeah. invitation. And when we, we can really feel being invited to share what we're feeling, something happens. Um, and if our partner is meeting us at a place where they're open and they're, they're going to, the space allows them to take a step back and not be defensive. Um, that's a key to, to learning this exercise and practicing it. 
And I think um, we've probably shared, we, I know we've shared on the weekend, I don't know if we did on yours, but you know, a funny story of, you know, you can practice this in a pizza parlor, trying to decide what type of pizza to have. And, mm. and the founders of MKP and One Within, when they were sharing, teaching us how to do this, they shared a story of how they just decided to practice when they were developing this practice, they said, well, let's just practice it. And they were in a pizza parlor and they were talking about, well, I don't know whether to get pepperoni and or plain. And mm-hmm. she said, well, what I hear you say is I don't, you don't know if you want to get pepperoni mm-hmm. plain. And it ended up within minutes getting to a core issue where this person was never asked what they wanted. Interesting. And who would have known you would have gotten there from selecting a pizza, but yeah. because you create the container, the mm-hmm. space, it, you can quickly go to a place that you never thought you'd go to. That's and how so wonderful to have a partner to witness you in that place. Because isn't that really what relationship is about? It's about catching each other when we fall and being there for each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so, so great. And, and this is something that, you know, as a coach, this is something we also practice with our clients, right? The bottom lining, if somebody's sharing something, we say, what I hear you say is this and that, is that right? Yes, it is. So that's a rapport building, uh, you know, technique, right? So when you do that with your partner, not only does your partner feel heard, but you actually develop empathy, natural empathy, because you feel you can, your, your partner is re- relaxing. Your partner doesn't have that need to keep pushing or explaining or, or defending. They also relax when you repeat something that they're saying word for word. And then you I've see seen- them relax. Yep. Yeah? I've seen people's entire body structure change when they've been heard. Like faces can change. And when we teach this in the weekend, you're in small groups. You're not doing this in front of a large group. And so there's intimacy there and safety. And oftentimes other people in the group, even if they are not the ones, the couple, you know, on task sharing, they observe and learn so much just from witnessing. Mm-hmm. So there's, even if it's not your turn, you're at, you're constantly in the weekend, I think, and maybe you can validate this having done the weekend, you're constantly, every other piece, person's piece of work, so to speak, touches a part of you. There's some kind of serendipity or kind of universal magic that occurs, I think. It's so true. Yeah, I remember uh, watching one couple and in some ways, like I saw myself in that other woman, you know? It wasn't necessarily the thing that we were working on, but this part of it, I was like, oh, I do that. Maybe I need to like relax a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. It's really, really, really profound. And another exercise, one of many that I found that still kind of comes back to me. In some ways, I sort of practice it every now and then. Um, your partner is laying on the floor, yeah. covered in the white, with the white sheet from top, to two feet right as if they're dead so I didn't know that this was happening I was somewhere else in the other room and I know my husband was in the other room something was going on then I walk in and I see him as if he's died he died and then and then I think you or Rich said something what would you like to tell them now that this is this is a process that we don't want to talk too much about in case someone oh yeah yeah the weekend but it's very typically done um, in all different kinds of experiential work, um, it's I, it's often called the tombstone mm. process. Anyone can do it. You can be asked, you know, to journal and write a letter um, to you know your partner as if they were you found out that they have a terminal illness. What you would want to say? Mm. You would want to remember. Um, you can do this um, writing your own your own eulogy. Yeah. Do you want people to remember about you? And these are all mechanisms to help us really sift through all of life's stuff and get to the part that's really important. Because oftentimes, I mean, I would say many couples will come to the weekend in crisis and need it terribly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, We've had couples come that were actually planning to use the weekend as a way to figure out how to separate. and some people will come after having, we've had couples that were celebrating their 40th wedding anniversary and have a great relationship, just want to make it better and left telling us they learned things about their partner they had never known. And you said somebody came because they wanted to separate? Yeah. And in the end, this 
particular couple that I'm remembering, they came in two separate cars. Um, they clearly were coming to be in a safe space to kind of negotiate the end of a very long-term marriage wow. with the intention to do it in a grace, graceful oh. way. And I'm not saying this, and I don't know if that couple stayed together. I hope they did. But all I can say is that at the end of the weekend, they were so sad they had to drive home in separate cars. My goodness. Wow. It would be so to find out. If some issues had a pathway forward and, um, you know, it gives me goosebumps just to think about it, but it's, it, it, it is transformable. It's tr- transformative. It'd be interesting to find out where they are. If there's a way for you to find out, that'd be so yeah. interesting. Wow. This is such an amazing, amazing work. And, and yes, sorry if I hope I didn't overshare about the exercise. I understand that there are things that you want to kind of keep. And it is, it is work. I mean, you said it. And, and so many people, they, you know, we talk on the weekend about the cycle of relationship. If you remember in the cycle of life, that's one of the lecturettes. And, yeah. um, um, I also have, especially during the pandemic, I've been doing like VIP weekends, even virtually um, for couples that might want to do some of this work and we not attend a whole weekend. So we would do a yeah. personalized aspect of it, but you actually, um, you work on things in this context, learn these skills and it can be extremely transformative. Um, yeah to do this kind of work. And it's, I think part of it is making the commitment to do it. Many couples will go through difficult times mm-hmm. in their relationship. We all do, right? You have kids, you've got young kids. It gets very busy. It's easy to drift yeah. apart. Careers get geared up. Um, other life events happen. You know, loved ones get sick, people die. You know, all kinds of stresses can happen in our lives. And oftentimes we don't take the time to connect and we lose our way. Yeah. Yeah. Relationships are extremely, extremely important. I'm so grateful that I am married and I have a family, but Lori, I see some women my age or a little older, some friends, some even like relatives that are not in a relationship, you know, not in a relationship. And, and when I, I want to help them, but you can't really try to help someone unless they want help and i but i but as an observer i see what's going on and i wish i had a way so this is the one other reason why i want to do this work and in and talk to you and 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 do more workshops for women so that they can Mm -hmm. resolve certain things and really find their power and 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 have a way into relationship i wonder why do you think some women late into their 30s and 40s are I still haven't found that there's someone still part, part of them kind of wants it. They ask about it. I, I, I see them talk about it, kind of searching, kind of searching, but still not in a relationship. Why do you think that happens? I think there's lots of reasons. I, I think in my experience in working with some women, some women have had their focus so much on career and then they get to the age that you're describing and they may be well into their career trajectory and really mm. settled in that and just never took time to really um, invest in that part of their personal life and find themselves a, li- a bit lonely and, and, and wanting companionship. Um, but I think, I think a lot of people, not just women, mm-hmm. um, don't really know how to love themselves mm-hmm. so that they know how to love another. And that's just really sad. I think there's a lot of, I worry about the next generation. There's so Why? much pressure uh, um, to be Instagram perfect or um, to show the world a different part of your life that may not be true. And, um, how can we be okay with the bumps in the road and things not being so absolutely perfect? Um, it's how can we be, be accepting of that, accepting of ourselves? Um, I just led a, a women's retreat called BU Connect and we did it virtually. And it was great to do during the pandemic um, to connect that way. We had women from all of the country connecting and a big focus of that work was self-compassion, self-care, mm-hmm self-love yeah because we don't prioritize that let's face it you know there are a lot of women particularly in those ages 
um, that are juggling a lot, family, um, you know, um, maybe their, their parents are getting um, older and requiring assistance. Um, yeah. There's so many hats that we wear um, that oftentimes, you know, we forget about ourselves. ourselves. True. Whether you're in a relationship or not, sometimes in a relationship, you can totally forget about yourself. But if you're not in a relationship, self-love is so important. You're right. And actually, it's funny because when I I do recordings, when I work with my clients, I do recordings of this, uh, their hypnosis sessions. And a lot of times that I put a title uh, in that audience and it's self-care, self-love is a very common title. It was a, it was a very common theme. Excuse me. Sorry. Yeah, I'm on the club room right now. And sometimes I make a reservation and they just, just. That's okay. Uh, anyways. So, and uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a very common title. And it's very, very, <clears throat> excuse me, very important for, for women of all ages, from all walks mm -hmm. of life, all all backgrounds and yeah, I have, men too um, and men too have, not just women we're talking i have daughters before. my oldest just turned 30 and then my other two are in their 20s and i've been talking with my youngest daughter who just started her career um <clears throat> graduating from school a year or so ago and i'm working with her to develop a mini retreat for young women that age because <clears throat> she's finding that many of that her friends you know, they have, they feel this pressure um, to make the right decisions, to set their life all up and to answer, you know, I mean, I, I even think of kids going into college now. I mean, they're supposed to know exactly what they want to do and mm -hmm. apply to the right college and the right major. And there's really no room to explore. Um, and so I'm working with her because I'm certainly not that age. And so I want to make sure I create um a program that's appropriate for women that are just embarking on their lives, just, you know, starting on their life journey, making choices and decisions for themselves and to help them incorporate self-care and self. Because yeah. I think my daughter's generation thinks that as selfish. Oh, How sad that? Interesting. And that's the one who's 30, right? No, this is the one that's um, okay. the youngest one. Four. Right. right, right. So she thinks it's selfish to care for yourself, but care for yourself in what sense? Like do therapy, go to spa, take, do meditation, exercise, in what sense? To me, I think it's any, any invest in yourself. Mm. Um, yeah. it, it's anything from, I don't know, um, Putting your needs first instead of someone else's, you know, like it's, it's kind of like that old, um, don't you remember when you were younger and, and uh, you'd be sitting around with some friends and like, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Right. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's like we don't even know. I, re I re this actually hit me when I was a young mother, like you, I remember I had started a business. I was super crazed. I was making decisions about the business and I had two young, young children. And my husband finally says to me, you know, take the, take the afternoon, which that in itself is like, I shouldn't have to take, you know, get him to babysit his own kids, but that's a whole nother conversation. We got through that. But anyway, yeah. um, I, I had, I said, oh, I have the whole afternoon. And I think I must have spent most of my time driving down the street, deciding to do something and then pulling over and saying, no, I don't want to do that. And turning around and driving somewhere else. I could, I didn't know what I wanted to do with those four hours. That's and I spent most of my time pulling over and changing my mind. And I was afraid that I had this precious time. Like it was like this, you know, you need to make this worth it. You know what? I totally relate to that because my hours are so packed. Like I have an hour with you now. Then I have an hour left to recite this. I'm shooting something um, next, next week. This nice. script, right? Yes. It's so sad. I have an hour to, re to re read that and start memorizing. Everything is planned by the hour. And then I have to go home and, you know, make lunch for, for the kids. And I'm, everything is planned. And there are times when it's just this, this, em this empty space. I'm like, this is like almost like, oh my God, this is, this is an empty space. Okay. Should I just 
maybe put cream on my face, but that's a waste of time. <laughs> now, should I put, put like, do my nails? Yeah, maybe, maybe do my nails. See, look, I put the nail polish. I was thinking maybe I'll do my nails here. <laughs> so maybe just in between, is, like I'll do it very quickly. That's a great self-care thing is, you know, to, to find those times and be prepared. Yeah. Like be, be prepared to, 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 and, you know, my, um, I know women also that are on the other end of the spectrum, they're older, they're in their sixties, like I am. And they, um, there's a high rate of divorce at that, that age, age of women initiating divorce. And that is because a lot of women have denied themselves for the sake of other people in their lives and their families. And they finally get to this point, I call them the wisdom years. And um, they step into their crown and they have this energy that they never felt before, this ability to say no to things that oh, maybe they wow, never said so no to. important. Yeah. Or the ability to say yes, to, to say, yes, I am gonna take go on that girl's vacation or I've always wanted to go on a horticulture tour of Europe. <laughs> and this is so important this is the, this is what self-care is so yes sure it's the you know massage and you know getting your nails done these are just those things that we know of but more that importantly we think, um, that we think self-care we think self-care is a spa day yes yeah, no and this is exactly what Lori is saying the truly self-care is saying no to certain things and saying yes to things you would never say no to like and you're then, right, like like taking that either the vacation that you can take or or, or a weekend off, or li- literally a day off for you. You can have a babysitter. You can take more than two hours for you. It's okay, you know, maybe not right away when you have a little infant, but but in general, there are times you can definitely say yes to certain things, but you're choosing not to because maybe you're afraid that you're going to be uh, titled not a good mother or and you or you feel guilty. You know, the guilt is a huge thing for a lot of uh, mothers. You know, I want to be a good mother, so I have to show up. I have to care. And, and you, you still continue to show up. You still continue to care of yourself, but it's important to do that thing that you're talking about, right? When you, when you step into the crown. Because the thing is, I think there may be some a bit of resentment too, right? And for some women in their sixties, you know, I've been saying yes to things that I, you know, didn't want to do, or I've been saying no to things that I really, really, really wanted to. It's my time, <laughs> you know, and everybody, right? And oftentimes what, what piggybacks on this is particularly for those with children that have raised children, they're now adults like mine are, um, Unfortunately, many couples don't spend a lot of time making time for that connection during those years. Mm. And so, all you know, that whole empty nest kind of syndrome, yeah. they're sitting across the dining room table from each other and they have nothing to say. There's oh nothing God. sadder than that. I, I can't tell you, I mean, obviously pre-pandemic, I'm still just like, I haven't think I've eaten in a restaurant more than two times in the last 18 months, but Rich and I would go um, to like a diner on a Sunday morning as a, as a treat and we would be so sad seeing so many couples, older couples sitting there, not even saying a word to each other. It's just sad. How so can what we is this that you need to do, Lori? Then you said, so you don't end up being in that space, the empty nester when you have nothing to say. What is it that you need to do throughout the relationship? Is it, it's those moments of connection, times that you take for yourself, just yourself and, and your partner, that just, just for you, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a balance, right? Yeah, it's it's a balance of allowing your partner to pursue their interests and supporting them in those things and them supporting that in you, finding things that you can do together, continuing to learn, to grow, um, supporting each other when you're both going through a difficult time. Um, You know, it's it's truly listening, like we started the conversation off and truly hearing and making space for whatever it is that's that's happening. And, you know. A lot, we we deal with a lot of challenges in our life and it's so much easier to deal with it if we're on the same page or at least, you know, have a way to hear each other so that we can be more on the same page. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, and and I personally consider myself so lucky that I'm sitting here, I have two young kids and I'm sitting here doing a podcast and I wrote a script, I'm gonna be shooting something next, next week and I'm able to work with clients I, I'm lucky that I have a babysitter right now helping me with my little one and my husband waking up early in the morning 
to make breakfast for kids. It's just like, he's so supportive. I'm so, so grateful. And, but he's also very, you know, he's experienced, of course, you know, he has certain kind of experience and he's done a lot of uh, work, you know, Mm -hmm. personal growth work. So, so, so did I. So I'm very, very grateful for that. Lori, um, there are other things that I wanted to talk about. So in the, in the workshop, um, there, there's a part of a ritual, there are exercises, there are little lecturettes, as you say, and then also a bit of, I, I can't remember, was there something about archetypes as well in the workshop, archetypes? Um, there's a second couples too that really delves a lot into uh-huh. archetypes. We talk a little bit about that, um, but we also talk about masculine and feminine as an energy. Let's talk and- about that. What is this, the masculine and feminine? Because you know, we, we know Carl Jung was the one who's really been a proponent of archetypes and the energy. Is this a real energy? Or is this a made up thing? Is, what, is, what is it? Well, I think it's, it's really yin and yang. It's that we all have parts of ourselves that are agency, that are more masculine, that, you know, get us to start things, to do things, to protect mm-hmm. um, and, to, and to challenge and, and to initiate and then there are also parts of us that need to be compassionate and listening and nurturing and mothering and, um, you know, um, cultivating and making space and being gentle. And, and so all of us have those parts of ourselves. And so what we try and look at on the weekend and through relationship is to provide space for both of us to dance with those energies. and. We may use examples in the weekend that kind of ramp up that energy that's different than what you would normally feel, but to get you to identify with what that might feel like so that we can flow in that yin and yang um, to create balance, both within, but also within our relationship. And it could be within all our relationships. I mean, I think a lot of the things we teach on the couples weekend, you could use with your boss, you could use with your immediate family members, Mm -hmm. with your neighbor, with your best friend. It's really all about meeting each uh, other where where you're at. And by doing that, you're encouraging the other person to become more and more authentic with you and to strengthen the intimacy of the relationship. And this is very interesting about these energies. I think because humanity and society is becoming more and more open to these type of ideas, you know, you you know, spiral dynamics, right? The green a level where there is this idea that we are the, the gender, the gender idea that has become so sort of novel and annoying just to other people. But there is truth there. There is absolute truth there with the idea that we are, you know, a man or a woman. A woman with a physical body with X Y chromosome may feel like she's a man, right? And she may actually relate to to being a man, right? Mm-hmm. And in situation, it can be transgender or for example, same for, 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 for a man, right? They can feel like a woman because of that energy. So it's, it's the, en- the inner energy. Maybe it's a little bit more than the other, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why they're associate. So while there still is a physical body that is, you know, gender y or xx yes i know there's a lot of conversation about it you know you know whether it's woman or man you know it's, it's it's a very sensitive area but i think what that kind of movement is talking about is the inner gender that's what it is they're yeah. really implying and i think there's a spectrum as well right so sometimes it can be balanced sometimes it can be a bit more and maybe that also reflects in someone's orientation i don't see it as being imbalanced i mm-hmm. think it's it is what it is. And it's, I believe society is finally creating space for people to truly step into where their normal is, where their balance is. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a sensitive topic, but I think that it's, it's about time. And, you know, my hope is that we can be accepting no matter where people are at and let them be who they are. Um, and some people are just discovering that, like it's a, it's a form of discovery to figure it out. Um, I don't know, it's, it's not something I'm very well versed in. Yeah, um, same, same here. I'm just observing where the culture is with it, you know, and how it's causing some cultural wars. I'm not, uh, you know, 
a proponent of strictly one or the other, but I'm just seeing it for, as an observer. And I see, I'd sound, I see the value in the, um, the, the gender. That's why we start talking about how there's feminine and masculine. And also I wanted to kind of read this to you. And some of these examples come from Jeff Soltzman, which the Daily Evolver uh, mm-hmm. podcast. Um, and some I just picked up, picked up somewhere else. And I want to see what you think about it. So feminine is about surrender. That's something we've learned in the uh, weekend. Your weekend. Surrender. Masculine is about conquest, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Feminine. Now, this is what Jordan Pearson is talking about. Feminine is chaos. Masculine is order. Mm-hmm. And this is something that people are not you know, happy about, especially... Um, strong women because that makes them feel or you think that we are all chaotic like all over the place like like it's you know I don't I don't take that to mean that I think that that means to me complexity Mm -hmm. and um lots of things happening all at once which quite frankly I believe is kind of like how my brain works I don't know about yours but I have the ability somehow that when I'm talking to you, I can be noticing the picture behind you and noticing it has one of my favorite colors in it. Um, Be thinking, I really like your glasses, thinking that I wonder what time it is and how much more time we have left, Mm -hmm. trying to answer your question. We can be doing lots of complex things in our brains at the same time. Now, I'm not knocking Rich, my husband, but he and I oftentimes talk about when I come to him, with, I need to ask him a question or I need his opinion on something. And he is heads down doing something Yeah, that he goes, look, I'm in the box. I'm in this box and just mm-hmm. let me be in the box. I'll answer you later. He is yeah. not able to jump out, answer something and then come back. It's not that he's limited. It's not, um, what did you say? Women are chaotic and masculine. Order, order. order. So yeah. I think that's another way of saying that, right? Yeah, 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 Focus. yeah. One thing at a time. My husband usually says one thing at a time, one thing at a time. And it's not to say that any gender can be balanced in either of these places. In your partnership, there's times when someone needs to be in that multitasking place and the other person there. And there are times when you need focus and attention to one thing. And this is, this comes from the physical, sorry to interrupt. It doesn't just come from the, physical or it does or or is it this energy you know is it does it come from the energy mass of the masculine or is it still connected to your brain the masculine brain or feminine brain i don't know another question that people are raising there's so many so much new research about neuroscience which quite Mm -hmm. frankly if i were to go back to school i'd be a neuroscientist i find it so fascinating how much they're learning about how our brain works I think it used to be that they used to think the male and female brains were very, very different. I think there are probably some aspects of truth to Mm -hmm. that, but I think they're learning more and more that there are just different pathways Mm -hmm. that are maybe even culturally um, influenced more often and influenced. And so that's why we become the way we become. That is why Ken Wilber talks about in that green meme, which comes from the orange meme and spiral dynamics is the not just the equal opportunity, but equal outcome. Because equal opportunity that was set, you know, institutions and help to minorities or, you know, underrepresented uh, groups and women, there may not be enough. So equal outcome is important because you actually go out, go out into those communities, you go to women and show them and tell them, you can do this, this is how it can be done. And then you kind of encourage that, that, you know, rise in those groups and societies or, you know, certain portions of the society. That's the equal outcome, which, which tells us that, yes, there is a difference in the body. There is a difference in the brain, but we can see women who are able to do similar things like run a company, right? Think strategically, think analytically, follow order, right? And maybe it is possible that they are channeling certain kind of masculine energy, like it's a different domain and are able to do, get these things done, you know? So it's, it's just so, so, so interesting. I, yesterday I had a podcast with uh, Jason, um, Todd Jason, who's actually, who studied um, Robert Bly, Michael Mead and uh, Moore, um, Robert Moore. 
you know, the that famous book, uh, Magician, King, Warrior, and yeah. Lover. And he is actually ha, ha, has this workshop called Warrior Activation. He's done Mankind Project as well. And he is, I found him to be very protective of the masculine. And I can, I can, see, I can see it and it's good. And he said that Dalai Lama said something like the Western world will be saved by a woman. And he said that that actually kind of upset him a little bit. And I said, well, thank you. Thank you for being honest. It upset him because he felt like men were being forgotten at some point. They are being forgotten. This is the time where they're not being seen. And Jeff Saltzman talked about it too, actually. He talked about reading this article I I talked about in the last podcast where um, uh, one feminist was talking about the how boys need to be taught how to approach women, how to not take advantage of them, and so on and so forth, because they're not thinking. You know, sometimes they're just not thinking about it. They just, it just kind of goes on and on and on, and then and then all of a sudden, woman a woman had sex with a, a you know when she was in college with someone, right? So she didn't think through it, and he didn't think through it, and 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 the the this writer was kind of putting it all on a man, right? Jeff Saltzman said, well, how about we don't just look at educating boys, but also teach young girls to say no. Mm -hmm. It's very important. Very important. That goes back to um, being able to exercise that muscle of saying no. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you you, you kind of, you want to exercise the muscle on the little things. So when it comes to the big things, it's, it's a reflex. You can do it. Exactly. So this, this, so there, there are differences and there's an energy, inner energy. So let's, let's go through the rest of the things. And, and I'm not going to hold you more than an hour, just letting you know. So we'll finish, we'll finish here in 15 minutes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, so feminine, that's from Jeff Saltzman. Feminine loves to be adored. Masculine likes to adore. I agree with that. What do you think? I think I agree with that. But I also think that inside every human is someone who wants to be seen, loved, and adored for who they are, whether no matter what gender they are. That's true. If there's anything that I found in doing all the coaching, all the work that I do with people, is that we we all have this need to be seen, to be safe, to feel loved and appreciated. You see how everything is not set in stone, right? Like, like we're talking about these, like it can be true on the one's angle, how feminine is, likes to be adored. And, you know, women, men say, I love you. You're so beautiful. You know, it's very rare that you say, see a woman say to a man, oh, you're so beautiful. You know, a man usually says, I don't think that's what I'm talking about. Like, for example, one of the things we do talk about on the weekend is there's been studies that show the thing that certain people need to hear. And we won't go into the ritual that you Mm -hmm. talked about, that this comes into play. But, you know, oftentimes my partner, Rich, needs to hear that I appreciate who he is, not what he does. does. I appreciate that, too. But I appreciate the man he is. Now, how different is that? from, you know, is that different from him saying to you, you're beautiful? Yes. And I cherish you is more suitable to, to when you say it to a woman, as opposed to me saying to my husband, I cherish you. Like it, he, he'll be like, what? I don't want to hear it. Like it's, 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 semantics. So it's hmm? semantics, it's semantics. But again, I think it comes down to the core thing yeah. that we all need is to be seen and heard and loved. Yeah. And so what word is it that you might need that someone else I'm working with this afternoon may may be a different word um or or you know I just think I don't I think Jeff is doing a great job of widening our Mm -hmm. our eyes you know like widening what we think of as masculine feminine but I do think it depends on what it is that the person needs. And I think a big part of this is really knowing what it is you need because we don't, we don't take the time. See, what I'm hearing from you is you're actually one example of someone who's, who's seeing the conglomerate of the feminine and masculine 
and and sim and the similarity. This is a different angle. So it's not like just like this strictly feminine, this masculine that you're actually seeing it in both. And it's and it's good. This is it's good because we're being multi-perspective here, right? We don't want to be rigid in one way of thinking. So well, think of the yin and yang symbol, mm -hmm. right? You know, the one that's black and white. It's a circle and it it has the black and the white. If you look yeah. at it, they're both equal. Yes, but 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 then maybe what's what needs to be, let's say for this one, feminine is about spontaneity, masculine is about discipline. So maybe one a man is being spontaneous, like maybe he's channeling his feminine. Maybe. It's a possibility. Mm -hmm. Right? Sure. Why not? But maybe not. <laughs> right? Well, I think. I don't know. I, I've known men that can be spontaneous. And we don't know whether it comes from masculine or feminine, right? So then that lens is good to have, but that's not the only lens, right? To look at things and expressions. Think of it as, you know, when you're learning a dance and you're learning to dance with your partner, let's say you're learning the waltz, tango. Mm -hmm. Someone has to lead. Yes. And someone has to follow. You can't have two people trying to direct the dance because that's a disaster, right? Mm -hmm. So I think this is all about being in partnership with whoever we're in partnership with our life. It could be our life partner. It could be you and I having this conversation. We have to take turns sharing what we think and giving space for you to respond. And sometimes there's bumps because I tend to interrupt people a lot. So I apologize for that. But it's, it's a dance, right? Yeah. It's the same thing with dancing. It's the same thing with moving through these energies in our lives. Sometimes we are going to take initiative. Sometimes we need to step back. Yeah. It's recognizing where are the patterns in your life that you do this. And oftentimes in couples, the, the, the difficulty happens when around a particular issue, they're both exerting the same energies. Which is like too masculine? Or whatever. It's, it, it could be, you know, they have to save money to buy a house and no one's disciplined enough to do it. it could so be, maybe it's two of the, okay, so maybe it's not too masculine at the same time. Whatever. Two two opposing ideas, two opposing you have, archetypes. You have to have someone, you have to have the give and take, the leading and the responding, the listening and the sharing. So sometimes it's neither masculine nor feminine then. Neither masculine nor feminine. We can just leave that apart. Sometimes it's just... I don't know. That I see it really as energies that we all need at different times in our lives, there's different times in our lives when we need to be focused. There's different times in our lives when it's good to see the whole picture. To, but to, when you to, say energies, you mean feminine, feminine, masculine energies? Sorry, just trying to get really clear. Or other energies, something else. Well, if you look at it through the lens of masculine and feminine, those are two two differing yeah. energies. But I think there's, you know, if you look at archetypes, there's the lover energy. Okay. Okay. The warrior energy. You know, there's yeah, yeah, that from that lens exactly. There's the king, the queen. queen. The Joker. Oh, the Joker. <laughs> That's a fun one, right? Dangerous one. Or, or the magician, some people call it. Um, but I think that, you know, that's a whole other conversation. And it's not yeah. one that I'm very well versed in. I find it interesting, but there are experts out there that are really, really into arch archetypal energies and how they play. Um, in my, and I think you do this too, but in my coaching and doing some NLP and some other things, I often if it's appropriate, we'll work with someone to kind of look at who their counsel is and really different yeah. aspects of themselves yeah. um, help maybe address a challenge they may have or to make a decision. And we may sit around the table, you yeah. know, their, their leader, their warrior, their child, um, their mother, their, all the different aspects of themselves that make up who we are. Um, mm -hmm. And that can be very helpful to listen to different parts of ourselves that maybe we've been ignoring because I know that when I've been ignoring a certain part of me, they just get louder and louder until I have to listen. That's very interesting. Yes, like a council, it's having a table. I think there's a workshop called Next Up. It's also, you know, one of the organizers 
leaders from facilitators of the mankind and, and woman within also put up that, that project woman next up, they really explore this NLP technique called parts work. Yes. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's exactly what we're talking about <clears throat> where you envision that table and where you see those two different parts and they will come up, you know, there's, you know, you'll, you'll give them names and you talk to them, you'll give them voice for self, self, self-expression. Carolyn Miss, um, Carolyn Miss talks about how we arrive on this planet with eight archetypes and they could be true too. You know, we, there are some core archetypes, you know, the, an investigator, um, a, a lover, um, a, you know, an athlete, you know, the, it's also an archetype or an athlete, um, an authority, um, a guide, uh, you know, a guide can be an archetype, a teacher, a storyteller. I know that I have a storyteller archetype within me, a writer, you know, writer archetype. Um, and so sometimes it's important to, I think, Lori, you have connector archetype. Yeah, yeah, networker. You're a networker, connector. You have very strong archetype of that one because you are very good with relationships. It was so easy to, to become friends with you because... And actually, I'm learning it from you. You have this ease of just connecting with people and creating relationships, you know? It's, Thank you. it's amazing. I, I, I learned so much from you. And I'm so grateful that you and I have become friends. Because sometimes when you come to a workshop, usually you, you come as a participant and you look at a leader as somebody is so unattainable. You know, it does happen. You know, you, you come to any workshop and, and leaders, somebody, you know, I, I don't know, I can't be friends with them. They're, I'm, you know, they're too much they're just like too amazing that's usually the perception and i'm like oh my god lori wants to talk to me i'm just telling you for the first time lori wants to we're emailing and she we're talking on the phone and she just she just called me oh my god and, we're, and then we became friends you know so this is just amazing i'm very oh, yeah. i think that people come into our lives for reasons and um i i think you've hit upon something that is a big part of my life is i love to connect people and to be in community and to create community. And uh, it is a big part of who I am. And, um, you know, it's funny, we, we talk about on the couples weekend, some things about Rich and I when we first started and he was a bit more of an introvert and I was definitely an extrovert. And so he projected onto me, oh my God, you know, could I ever be like this woman who's just like walking into a party and talking to all these people. and that's a great example of how we attract what it is that we need. Mm. So, you know, if you ask anyone now to ever think that Rich was an introvert is insane because he's in sales. He's constantly selling to people, talking to people, finding commonalities. I mean, he leads workshops with me. I mean, he, you'd never think of him as being introverted. No, 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 no. He's he's very open, very, very, uh, very friendly. Yeah. But so I think we, we, we seek what we need. Yeah. And I'm sure he's learned a lot from you, Lori. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, our hour is up and there's so much more to talk about. No, and I'm sure we're going to do this again because there are a lot of questions that I haven't even asked. So let's, let's definitely do this again in the future. This yeah, is our first you. podcast together. You're Fun. welcome. You're welcome. You have a great day and keep, keep up with this. This is wonderful. I think having conversations with all different types of thinkers and, and just sharing them for other people to listen to, I think is a wonderful gift. It is. And we're going to put your links down below, right? For the couples workshops and also your my website. And then, um, you know, I have a Facebook page. I'm working on Instagram. My kids are trying to push me in that direction, but I just don't, it's like not enough hours in the day, but, um, yeah. And, um, I'd be happy to talk to anyone that might want to learn about the couples weekend or doing a, a one-on-one training or anything like that. Do you have any couples weekend uh, planned? Um, We're working on it now that um, things are loosening up a little, uh, Rich and I just sat down with our calendars and we're looking at setting um, an in-person weekend that will be small. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're also um, talking with the other leaders of the couples weekend um, about potentially trying our hand at a virtual one the weekend will be a little different as you would know as you could guess but we're we're finally trying to figure out how we could provide this opportunity to people in their own living rooms 
Great, great. Thank you so much. You guys can follow Lori on Facebook and, and, and also Instagram. We're going to leave all these links uh, below so you can uh, learn more about upcoming workshops. Lori, thank you very much. I'm going to stop here, but I'm gonna, I will say goodbye to you um, uh, sure. when I stop the recording. Thank you, guys. Bye.